Across America and around the world, famous vintners and favorite destinations. We share the stories behind the wines. Welcome to Vintage, hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. The white sandy shores of Destin, Florida and Miramar Beach, the site of one of America's top wine events every spring, and it was another record-setting year at the Destin Charity Wine Auction, benefiting children in need on the Emerald Coast of Florida. $3 million raised, shattering the old record by more than $300,000. Congratulations to everyone associated with this great event, the organizers, the vintners, the chefs, and the patrons. What a weekend it was. And an honor for us to join the Vintners, Chefs, and Patrons. My first trip to Destin, I'd heard so much about this event over the years from our dear friends Greg and Stacy Lill from Chateau Lill and Kashmir, who invited me to join them at what is one of America's favorite charity events. You know, it really is. And uh, one thing that we love the most about coming down here really uh, is the people. I tell you, uh, Southern hospitality is alive and well in Destin, Florida. Yeah, we love this event in Destin. It is the Wine Spectator, one of the top auctions in the country. I think last year was number three. We've been coming about seven years now, and it's it's a ways from home, but it really is a most beautiful place with the white powdered sugar sand and the people, really the people. We can't say it enough. We've been here a few days now, and so happy to see so many old friends meet new ones and just we're just smiling the whole time we're here it's fun so tell us what's going on in your world since we last talked we sat down and did a a lengthy revisit and now chateau lille is up and running we're getting into the spring and summer months how are things going uh, really good we're uh, obviously booked for the summer every friday saturday sunday you know, May through October with weddings, which is one of our most popular things that we do at Chateau Lille. Um, but the other fun thing we're doing is now that we really have the control of the entire Chateau because DeLille Cellars has moved to the old Red Hook facility, which is great to have everything under one roof there for DeLille, which we're still a part of. But we now have so much more room at Chateau Lille. We've moved our specialty Chardonnay brand that Stacy and I started in 2004, Cashmere, to Chateau Lille. So that is the home base winery now at the Chateau. And we're also going to be launching a whole nother line of wine under the Lille family wine brands that will be coming out here in the near future. Well, that's new since the last time I talked to you guys. Yeah, it's really fun. It's been on our minds for years to expand and develop more brands and we were so busy with um, our other projects for years that now we've got the time to do it it's fun so it's fun to be here in Destin we are showcasing our cashmere cellar chardonnay we did a beautiful wine dinner last night with Cole Solari at vintage restaurant it was a sold out evening and the food was fabulous the wine's delicious again the people were so um, lovely and we met a lot of new friends so, we've known of Cashmere for a while now. What happens with that brand and that label and that you know that beautiful Chardonnay? Are you going to expand that now and take it, ramp up production, or are you going to keep it where it's at? What's what's the future hold? Well, Cashmere has always been a really special project to us. We started that, it, um, as Greg said, in two thousand four, and the reason was because I really wanted to see if we could. Cr- a very high-end Washington State Chardonnay, similar to some of the California 
bigger, more robust Chardonnays. So it, it was, it's been a, a pet project for years and we want to keep it special and exclusive. So we aren't going to really increase production on that. But as Greg mentioned, we're starting some other brands under the Lil Family Wines brand. We've got a fun white coming out called Lil Sister. And we've got a, a fun a red called Lil Brother. And those are going to be predominantly for events at our Chateau Lil. And they may grow beyond that. We'll see. Always marketing. I like it. I like it a lot. So for you two from Washington, uh, traveling, what, 2,500 miles as the crow flies to the Florida panhandle, I know that you know a lot of people over the years. What's it like to come here and really see the evolution of the Washington wine industry and the perception of it? in large part thanks to what you've done here. We really have seen uh, Washington become a bigger player down here. Um, and what's really nice about Destin is that you have people here from Atlanta, from Kansas City, from New Orleans. This is kind of their place to come to be by the beach. So you're not just touching and marketing your wine here in Destin. You're touching and marketing those other cities where those people come from, but they go back home and say, wow, we have this great wine from Washington. And, uh, we, you know, they, they spread the word back in their hometown. So it's really a great way to market our brands. And it's been fun to be the, we were the, the first Washington wine that was, you know, courted by the folks here in Destin to come down. And really a lot of it came from the late great auctioneer, David Reynolds, who was the auctioneer here. And he kept telling us about this Destin auction, Destin auction. And so we finally, he convinced us to come down. And again, the Southern hospitality, they took, take such good care of the vintners down here. By they put us up in a, in a hotel or in a condo right on the beach. They have a driver for you everywhere you need to go. It, they just make it so easy and so so you know, good for us. It's it's a, just a blessing to be here, and we love it. Well, I always said you guys were like the royal family of wine, so, I mean, it's about time, right? Oh, thank you, Brian. You're so kind. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're fully invested as a... As a couple and as a team in um, the wine industry, and it's really important to us to promote Washington everywhere we go, not just our brands, because Washington has so much to be proud of with the wine industry and how it has evolved, and it's been fun for us to be able to be in Destin, but also to introduce the Destin folks to some other Washington wines as well, so there is greater representation of Washington down here this year. What amazes me, and and you know this better than anybody, is, you know, we think of the wine industry, and it is this gigantic worldwide industry, but then you come to events like this and you realize how, how small it is, how, you know, you know this person from that person, and, I mean, it really is a close-knit community, isn't it? It really is, and uh, what's fun is the... Uh, as an industry, we're, we're friends with the other vintners. And even though we, we compete for you know, shelf space, let's call it, and for notoriety out there, but we're all really, really good, close friends. And it's kind of almost like a homecoming when we come here to Destin because we see people that we may, maybe haven't seen all year except for last year in Destin. Yeah. You know, because not everybody goes to all of the same events, like you know, Pebble Beach Food and Wine or Sun Valley Wine Auction or wherever. So it's kind of we come here and we see people we usually haven't seen maybe for a year. And we all end up after the event at a big dinner somewhere and sharing wine or out on the golf course tomorrow or on somebody's boat and with some other vintners. And it's really been a great way to make friends in the industry. You guys know everybody, I swear. (laughs) Well, we are people people. We enjoy people and great friends and meeting new people. And um, as Greg mentioned, we've 
made so many great friends here in Destin. And it's fun to come down here. And the, the, the problem is we don't have enough time to spend with them because I tell you, if we could have a spend more time here in Destin, we absolutely would and would love to hang out with our friends and just the, the kind, generous, great people that are here. This event, we touched on it off the top, but I want to circle back and close the loop on it. Uh, you know, last night's dinner, and, you know, it's a, an amazing cause. Uh, I really appreciated how they uh, really focused on the kids, right? Yeah, this auction is all about the children, and it's um, they've got a, a collection of children's organizations that benefit um, as a result of this auction and I don't recall the number I think it's about 16 different organizations that are all about helping children in need and it's been really um, great to learn each year about a different organization because they pair a different one with each dinner so we're learning over the years about the great need that's down here and the good work that this auction is doing so it's not only allowing people to have a great opportunity drink delicious wines from so many different places but it really has a great cause behind it and not only that as i mentioned earlier this is one of the wine spectator top wine auctions in the country and for good reason and speaking of auctions uh washington just around the corner it'll be here before we know it um I know you, you both have been heavily involved in that event for years and years. Uh, what are we looking forward to this year at the Auction of Washington Wines? Yeah, that is coming up in August, and I'm a board member on that auction, and also proud to say that that auction is a Wine Spectator top auction as well. And one of the reasons we come to this place, not only because it's a great event, but we're also learning and seeing what else we can do in Washington to add to ours, or actually I've given them ideas here that they've taken from Washington as well but it's we're really looking forward to the auction this year I think we've got some big numbers to hit but we've got a lot of fun new things going on um, at the auction of course we've got the barrel auction that is for the trade and then um, we'll have the the main auction well the picnic and then the main auction and I think we're going to really blow past our goals this year have a great time um, we're going to have you back doing some uh, some work there announcing so that'll be it'll be fun it's always a good time yeah it's a great event each event is unique in its own way and special. What I like about this event is this daytime atmosphere. I like getting in here at noon, and it, it just it's and it's more relaxed too, isn't it? It really is, and I, it, we see that happening now with a lot of the auctions. I'm not. I don't think uh, Auction Washington Wines is necessarily going to do that this year, but it, things have definitely become a little more casual, yeah. a little more relaxed, and and you know. And fun. It's really a fun event. These auctions are meant to be fun for the people attending. And so I think that each organization is trying to inject that into their their events. And uh, we really enjoy it. It's like at the picnic they they do at Chateau Saint-Michel at the wine auction weekend. Uh, Washington is a lot of fun. And, again, it has more of that casual atmosphere, which I really think everybody likes a lot. And this event taking place right in the heart of Destin on an absolutely perfect day. And wine influencers from around the world coming together, including Washington's flagship winery, Chateau Saint-Michel, located just outside of Seattle in Woodenville, about a 30 to 40 minute drive from downtown. This winery is the big dog in Washington wine, turning out rock star winemakers like Bob Betts over the years. At the same time, Chateau Saint-Michel acts and interacts with other wineries like a small family winery. 
Joe Oshbacher is the National Director of Global Accounts. He and his wife, Chris, joined us in Destin, showcasing their Cole Solari label and teaming up with the Lills to offer a spectacular live auction package featuring Washington State. And what I shared with Joe was my take on Chateau Saint-Michel wines and how impressive it is that such a large winery makes a wide variety of quality wines, some of them at very approachable price points. I have to say that's probably one of the most important reasons why anybody who works at the company uh, is in deep appreciation is that we do offer you know, wines at different prices that, to me, are pound for pound, some of, the, of a great quality uh, products. Uh, you know, so as you said, you know, to be able to produce a $7 Riesling that, um, you know, competes with anything, maybe even double the price when we've done that, especially at Riesling Rendezvous, where we've been able to see Rieslings from around the world at that show and to see how our, our regular Columbia Valley Riesling, our dry Riesling perform, which are $7, $8 retail wines, uh, we really take pride in that. But, but then, to your point, you know, we go up a scale with Indian Wells with really quality wine at that $10 to $14 price point, and then into Coal Creek Vineyard, Canoe Ridge Estate Vineyard, and then our Ethos lineup. And then it really scales to, to Artist Series, which, again, those wines, uh, the production of those are quite small, but the price points and where, where they live... Uh, against some of the competition, I think really show well. And we do that a lot blind in blind tastings and how they perform there. But yeah, I, I really believe that it comes down to the ability for the vineyards to perform so well in eastern Washington to, to have the quality fruit in the vineyards first and foremost. And then to then bring that those into bottle and to offer them at good prices, it's really, it's really noticed by the consumer. Here's the other thing I see maybe, and this is behind the scenes, is that Chateau Saint-Michel is the big dog in Washington uh, with interests in other regions, and yet there's not this big dog mentality. There's this neighbor mentality where I feel like as a consumer and someone who follows the industry that Chateau Saint-Michel is almost more of a, a shepherd, a friend, a neighbor than, hey, you know, we're going to come in and muscle people around, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I joined the company in 2003, uh, the president and CEO at the time, Ted Baszler, uh, I caught him during an orientation at the Chateau, just happenstance, he's, he's just walking around the building, and uh, we had known each other, and he said, Joe, we're so excited to have you on board and coming to work for our company, but he, he goes, if I can impart one piece of advice ask you to do one thing for us as you get started please talk about washington first talk about the importance of of washington state and and washington and and how we are world class today and as we move forward in wine production and sell washington before you ever sell shadow saint michelle if you could do that for me and keep that in mind you're going to be doing the right thing for our company and that i gotta tell you I, i i get goosebumps when i remember that uh, because it meant so much. It kind of taught me the culture of our company right away. It really made an imprint. And, and really that's, I, I, you know, I really believe that our company from Alan Shoup to Ted Baszler to Glenn Yaffa that was running sales and marketing at the time, there was a culture that was built based upon that that has withstood time. And all the people that have come into the mix 
for St. Michelle Wine Estates have that have that drive to talk and sell Washington first before we ever get to a particular brand, a particular wine. So thank you. And I, the other thing, too, that I always like to, to tell people when we talk about that, about the shepherd and about, you know, really caring about your neighbors is going as a young representative of the winery, I would go to tastings and I would have other vintners come up to me and go, you know, Joe, I just wanted to come say thank you. We don't know each other, but if you could pass this along to Doug Gore or Ted Bezer when you see him, to, you know, thank you because in 1996 when we had the freeze, your company picked up the phone and called me and said, hey, we have an opportunity. We have some grapes. We, we, you know, do you need any assistance to get through this very difficult situation we had with that freeze? And, and I go, wow, that, that again really made me feel like, you know, our company is just has that mantra. And you look at the family tree of Chateau St. Michel in Washington Wine, and one of my dear friends is Bob Betts. And you think about the impact not only Chateau St. Michel has had, but then a gentleman like Bob Betts from Chateau St. Michel and what he did in the industry and continues to do. I mean, just 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 him, and there are so many. Yes. Bob Betts is, to me, you think about the fathers of the Washington wine industry, the people that really have made an impact from every step of the way, from the growers that we worked with and that he works with, to the winemakers, to the marketers, and then really ultimately the trade and the consumer. His impact is felt at every level. And why Bob Bob Betts stands out is just the way he represents the industry. Nobody that I can think of does it with more genuine sincerity and, and this really love and care that Bob has. And uh, and then he knows so much, right? He is so, so smart about this industry and what it means and how to articulate it to everybody he's in front of. And he does it so eloquently. He's really, really a, an amazing man. You have so many great people at Chateau St. Michel and all the brands. And we're going to talk about Cole Solari here in a moment. Uh, I'll never forget, I get kind of emotional, John Sarich. You know, the time spent with him, he he was this incredible ambassador too. Yeah, John Sarich was. There's not many people that go back with the winery that don't bring up John Sarich and what he meant. And I know in, inside our company, he was... He was so. If you if you had an ambassador, right, a person that you would have have make an imprint of the brand in in in, in a way that touched so many lives, John Sarich would be that man. And uh, you know, even though he was taken from us uh, too early, you know, his his impact and imprint on Shadow Saint Michelle will be everlasting. So thank you for bringing up John. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so many great wine regions in Washington. Red Mountain, though, is so special. And Cole Solari on Red Mountain, I mean, that is already an iconic name and an iconic brand, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, St. Michelle Wine Estates and Chateau St. Michelle are very, very excited to have a winery, you know, in our portfolio that is Red Mountain and that stands for Red Mountain. It has quickly become a very prestigious grape-growing area of the state. Uh, the, the, the red grapes that come off that particular piece of property and that Red Mountain itself are just astonishing. And I, I believe we're still, every, I think every grower there, every winery would say, 
we're still learning how to cultivate and make it even better. And I think the group, some years that we've got upcoming are going to prove that it'll be one of the world's greatest AVAs for grape growing. You know, it's a it's a back eddy, so all those Missoula floods that existed back in the day when the ice sheets broke and brought down all that silt, loam, and sand and, and everything, that Red Mountain area was kind of a back eddy to that flow, which creates this, really, the soil there um, is a big part of the structure of and what creates a structure in those wines. Uh, and I find that, you know, even through neighboring vineyards, you can still pick up different traces of of, of variation, but it's all so good. And the heat elements there, uh, the southward facing slopes, the Yakima River and keeping uh, Red Mountain away from that type of freeze and the airflow that we get from the river itself. There's just a lot of nuances that make it just so unique, but incredible grape growing area. And, and again, for Ted Basler and Piero Antonori to recognize and to be patient. We wanted to build a winery. You know, the project starts in 1995. Uh, we end up, you know, having North Star and Walla Walla and thought about Kolsalari and Walla Walla, but it was really Pero saying, Ted, let's continue to be patient. We'll find the home. And lo and behold, you know, we found a really nice 30-acre opportunity up on, on Red Mountain and uh, built there and opened in 07. And uh, it's just been a... It's been a wonderful facility to bring people to and a really gorgeous area of the state as well. And everything you just talked about, I'm glad I at least paid attention in geography and geology because, I mean, it it's so critical. As you know, I'm stating the obvious in the wine industry, but I think the one thing people don't understand about eastern Washington, they hear about the heat, but the cool nights, right? And, you know, there are other wine regions around the country, but it's... It's so unique in eastern Washington, isn't it? it? It is. It is. And this is, you know, when I went through orientation with the company, the person that really drew that out was Bob Betts. He was our director of education at the time. And anybody that was brought into the business, the first thing you did was spend time with Bob Betts to talk about just what you spoke of. And, uh, you know, you do. these this This climate that we have, the ability as you get into the ripening months of June or July and August, the real ripening months, we get really good heat. And so we get this ripening factor that, that exists. But it really, and Bob pointed this out so well, against other grape growing regions around the world about how we get into September and October, which are kind of getting into the months where you're starting to look at harvest, where we get still the heat elements during the day, but we get these really cold nights, cool nights. 40 degree swings on Red Mountain aren't uncommon between day and night and you'll get in you so you get this beautiful ripeness uh, ripening factor but then you on the cool down get this great acidity that builds up in the grapes and the fruit and now you're building structure so you're really getting a really nice structure to the to the fruit and so uh, again Red Mountain is an area where that element is it's a real big factor to why we have that real concentration in the grapes but we really build up the structure now translate that to what's in bottle so now now tell us about these wines and in your mind what makes them so special so col solari and our red mountain uh ava and the cabernet sauvignon that we're producing has this washington component where we get the concentration and beautiful ripe uh, polished 
uh, I will say rich component to the Cabernet Sauvignon, but we also get this kind of element that really leans more towards Europe, and you get this, again, uh, more feminine structure to at the tail end that builds off, so it's just, again, the structure really calls in uh, to the to the Colsolari more than most of the things that we do in the state. We get that 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 concentration, but we get that structure component right right behind it. I've heard some critics, I'm not one of them, who say Washington competes with Napa. Well, in my mind, everybody competes with everybody for everything in a very competitive and challenging industry, the wine business, right? I don't feel that's the case, though, because Washington Cab, for the most part, in my my opinion, humbly, is very different than Napa. And people like both, but I, I feel it's a very different style of Cabernet. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's it's nice for us at St. Michelle Wine Estates to have Stegsleep Wine Cellars out of, out of Napa that specializes in really high-end, really well-known, uh, consistent uh, Cabernet Sauvignon with Fay SLV and ultimately Cast 23. But you're right. When we're when we're ever putting bringing our portfolio out or showing it together, they are very different wines, and uh, and that's what's wonderful about uh, the wine business in general is that you know place is so important to providing different flavor profile. And I absolutely agree. I think Washington is very different with Cabernet in the sense that, again, we have this real ripe component to the wines. This real, and I don't like to call it, use jammy as the character, but I really feel like we get this fruit forward, I think is the right word. We get this real fruit forward emphasis, but we back it up again with the structure and the acidity, the acidity because of, the, again, the climate and the soil types that we we're in. So, uh, yeah, I find them to be very different. Than, than California. And we're enjoying uh, the Colsolari wines here in Destin. Uh, this event, you know, first time here for me. Uh, pretty impressive, isn't it? This is incredibly impressive. It's also my first time, Brian, and I, uh, I have not only enjoyed how well run this is, how well organized, but the people here, the people that Chris and I have met this, this week and this weekend, Oh, my goodness. I mean, talk about some really, really good people. Um, and I'll tell you, we're going to be uh, going to the gala here shortly. I'm excited to see the money being raised. Had a really nice dinner last night, and now we're here at the tasting. So, uh, yeah, I would recommend anybody who has an opportunity to travel here and can do it around this weekend and be at this Destin Charity Wine Auction, you won't be disappointed. Well, no question about that. Joe Oshbacher, National Director of Global Accounts at Chateau St. Michel in Woodenville, Washington, joining us. And so did his colleague, Russ Joy, Vice President and GM at Stag's Leap Wine Cellars in Napa Valley, one of the legendary wineries in the Chateau St. Michel portfolio, originally founded on land where grapes were first planted in the 1880s. Stag's Leap's first vintage back in 1893 and here we are almost 125 years later the winery is in the capable hands of this fourth generation grape grower Russ Joy and his team and we spent time together in Destin he like me 
enjoying this event for the first time. Well, it's beautiful. I had a chance this morning to uh, walk along the beach, and I thought, oh, I wish my wife was here with me. <laughs> I said the same thing. Yeah, I know. Just gorgeous. Uh, beautiful place, so it's great to be here. The people here are so friendly, too. They are. Last night we had a wonderful dinner at Tim Kruger's house. There were about 40 people. Everyone was super friendly. Gorgeous scene uh, right on the water. Dinner was great. Chef Tim Crean uh, killed it. He, the, the pairing with Sag's Leaf's Wines last night were just marvelous. So, yeah, the people have been great. So two years now at the helm. Uh, how's it feel? It's an unbelievable honor to sit in the founder's office at Stag's Leap, Warren Vinyarski, who created Stag's Leap uh, over 40 years ago. So just to be in that position alone is, is, is a great honor. And what a mar- remarkable team uh, I have that I inherited. And, of course, we have the team at, at Patson Hall. James Hall has uh, stayed on uh, as winemaker there. So um, I've, I've just got a, a marvelous team. Uh, it's a great feeling. You know, I kind of had to, to bite my lip a little bit when I sat down at Warren's desk. So, yeah. You feel a little bit of pressure, right? I mean, it is a big name and a big opportunity, right? He is, and he's a generous guy. He still lives on the property. He comes down and visits. He, he's, he owns the Arcadia Vineyard that we make our estate Chardonnay from. Uh, so now he, he switched hats from founder or owner of a winery to grower. And those hats are different, and it's been really fun to, to sit down with him and talk shop. You know, I would imagine that it's very nice, and that makes it seamless, and you really feel like you know, you've got someone to fall back on, right, rather than just a handoff. And they're gone, right? That's right. You know, he's available. I can call him anytime. Um, when I when I meet with him, uh, you know, he just turned ninety, uh, and he's got more energy than a twenty year old. It's amazing. Uh, I can call him anytime. But when I when I meet with him, I really I view him as a professor. Uh, he has uh, so much experience, but you know, he ha- he kind of has a professorial background anyway, um, and so it's it's always an education. Chateau Saint Michel owns Stag's Leap. So many great wines, such a big portfolio. What's it like from a corporate standpoint, you know, going from maybe kind of doing your own thing to, you know, that environment? It's got to be kind of an adjustment, right? It was. Uh, so I, I ran Patson Hall for the f- uh, four partners uh, for 11 years when we became part of the St. Michelle family. So it, it was uh, a, a little bit. I needed an orientation to convert from the person who was making all the decisions to sharing those decisions with others at various levels. Uh, but, you know, you can get things done in, in a large corporate environment. And that was part of what I needed to learn was to uh, figure out who, who are the right people to talk to, bring them uh, my ideas, and then uh, stay um, kind of persistent in a way. And, and we can get we, can, we are getting things done, and that's, uh, that was uh, refreshing. Super great people up there, too. Give us an update from Napa Valley. I'm down there in a couple of weeks uh, on, on, on a little tour of my own, but it's been a while. So uh, the state of the industry there. The Napa Valley itself, uh, there's uh, there's been a little bit of a, a pull pull and push uh, with uh, people that are not enjoying the the busyness of the valley. You know, we're, we've got a lot of visitors that come. Uh, traffic is getting tight. What we're finding is that the traffic is really caused by the fact that the real estate pressures in Napa, are, the, the costs are rising. And so the people that we need to work the vineyards, uh, to work in our restaurants, to work in our hotels are finding it uh, difficult to live there. So now we have this massive amount of, of vehicles driving in and out of the valley. 
every day. So it's kind of heightened the, the traffic. So people are, t- are kind of converting that and saying that's it's kind of a winery's fault. Well, it's the, that's the beauty of the Napa Valley's fault. You know, people want to be there and come enjoy more than just wineries. They want to enjoy the scenery. They want to come to our resorts and things like that. So that's a, that's a struggle. I've lived there 30 years. I've seen uh, an amazing amount of change uh, in lots of respects. Change in how we farm, change in how we make wines, and now really changing the visitor experience. 30 years ago, you could walk in, no reservation at a winery, taste five wines, and maybe visit five or six wineries. Now people want experiences. So we're all kind of upgrading the experiences that we're providing customers. And so in some cases and in ours, we have an in-house chef now. And uh, he'll take the estate wines and pair them with uh, three or four food pairings. It's a longer visit. So people are spending more time at wineries visiting fewer wineries. So we're seeing our traffic decrease a little bit because uh, people, but they're spending more time with us. Growing pains up and down the west coast i mean a lot of the same issues with traffic and seattle and portland and we see it everywhere Uh, are you concerned with that in mind that napa in particular not as approachable to everyone as it used to be even 10 or 15 years ago um a, a little bit and i'm also involved in uh Sonoma County. I serve on the board of the Sonoma Vintners. Uh, Sonoma is a lot larger, a little bit more diverse. Um, so when you kind of call the North Coast, we're dealing with uh, Napa, Sonoma, Mendocino. Um, you know, approachable, I think, uh, well, certainly the, the wines are getting more expensive. The experiences are getting more expensive. Uh, I think that we can, uh, we, we, there's still room. I'm a little concerned about Napa only because uh, there's not much more land that we can develop into vineyards. It's a, there's a finite number. If you look at the state of Washington, there's thousands of acres that still can be developed, and so it's really kind of a raw industry. It's really kind of exciting for those guys up there. But um, So when you have a, that, that, that supply and demand uh, equation, and you, there's no more land to develop, prices are going to continue to increase. Wines are going to get more expensive. Experiences are going to get more expensive. So do, do we, over time, uh, kind of market ourselves out of a certain segment? It's possible. Yeah. Let's talk about the fun stuff now, the wine. <laughs> what are you excited about right now? Well, we've got an amazing winemaking team. I've got a combination of uh, some new teammates, but also some people on our team that have been making the wines at Stag's Leap for 25 years. So there's that combination of experience and newness. Uh, the wines have never been better. Uh, the estate vineyard is in beautiful shape. Um, we are, of course, out you know, looking to, to expand our holdings so we can control a little bit and get back to that kind of economic uh, formula. But uh, the exciting thing is uh, that if you think of California viticulture back to Prohibition, 1933 is when the industry kind of was reborn again. Grapevines have a 25-year life. So if you, if you take from 33 and you add a couple of cycles of 25, we're only in like our third pass of experimentation. Uh, in Napa, it, there used to be many different varieties grown there, and it's becoming Cabernet-centric because we know we can, we can do the very best with it. Sonoma County, uh, we're still discovering new sites for great Pinot Noir, uh, Chardonnay, Zinfandel. Uh, Son- Sonoma is uh, so diverse that you can get just about anything there very well. So that's the exciting part is that we're, we're we, if you compare ourselves to the European 
industry, they've got hundreds of years on us, and we're in our third, possibly our fourth cycle. You have to pinch yourself because, I mean, to have those two very distinct uh, regions, areas, like literally right next door, is uh, very unique and very special. It is. It is. And, you know, they're, they're like uh, brothers, brothers or sisters, kind of rivals in a way. Uh, but, and I think in Sonoma's case, Napa has done such a marvelous job in marketing brand Napa. Uh, Sonoma is, is certainly on its way and doing very well. And they're celebrating their diversity. So the two kind of next to each other, you know, are, people, can, people can come and visit and they can spend a week and not, uh, you know, fall into the same spot. So uh, that's that's the great part of about being bar- being part of both uh, uh, valleys. Uh, since I have you know Patson Hall Winery in Sonoma and Stag's Leap and Con Creek in Napa, so I get to wear different hats. It's kind of cool that you know you you still you know thirty years in the business, and you mentioned back to prohibition. So we we're going back you know what almost eighty five ninety years to that date. That in Sonoma. There's still growth, right? There's still exciting new territory or, you know, experimenting with different varietals or, you know, it, it really is kind of amazing, isn't it? They are. They're, you know, they're pushing their boundaries out closer to the coast. You know, people used to think it was too cold, like Stag's Leap District back in 1960s. Uh, the farmers back then didn't think that Cabernet could grow there. And Nathan Fay uh, was a, one of the first ones to experiment. That was how Stag's Leap became Stag's Leap. Um, Sonoma is they're they're pushing their boundaries closer to the coast, um, and if you think about their their diversity, um, their different regions from Alexander Valley uh, down to Carneros, um, there's a, there's still a lot of areas where, where uh, they're experimenting with different varieties, uh, and that's but again it takes a lot of time. So if you think about the patience of a grape grower. Larry Hyde is a good example. He's one of the iconic uh, growers in Carneros. And he planted a vineyard and, and found uh, a handful of vines that were virused. And so he individually uh, grafted vine by vine by vine. It took him many, many years to, to develop this finally, this, this kind of virus-free block of Chardonnay that we buy from them. That's patience. Indeed it is. Russ Joy, Vice President and General Manager at Stag's Leap Wine Cellars. Thanks to Russ, Joe Oshbacher, and the Lills for joining us on this episode from the Destin Charity Wine Auction. A total of four volumes in this set from Destin, along with recent trips to Oregon and Napa Valley, exclusively here on Vintage. Vintage is a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.